see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hello there, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley. Every year, PMMI member meetings, like the annual meeting and the Executive Leadership Conference, bring together world-class speakers to address challenges facing the modern business. On this episode, we hear from culture expert and culture-topia, yeah, I nailed it, author Jason Young on the crucial role that culture plays in staving off any remnants from the Great Resignation. He explains his definition of culture and what he feels is good company culture based off of his previous stops at Southwest Airlines, Walt Disney, 3M, and Cisco Systems. After you listen, you'll probably want to head over to PMMI.org to register for the upcoming Executive Leadership Conference in San Antonio, April 16th through the 18th. So with all the fancy introductions out of the way, we're happy to have Jason Young on the podcast. Welcome to the pod, Jason. Thank you. Glad to be here. So you are our uh, culture guru, I will say, for, for the annual meeting this year. Culture... Utopia uh, was the book you wrote, and it's a topic that, that's kind of talked about constantly now, particularly with, you know, the great resignation and a lot of changes that came out of the shutdown through COVID-19 and stuff like that. So I guess to kind of kick this off for people that weren't here or sort of as an extension of it is, I guess, how do you define, how do you define culture and, and what defines a good culture? Well, culture utopia is just a word I made up. I was looking for a... A word that when you did search for it, you got no hits. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird word, but it uh, it suits it, it suits the topic. And you know, culture um, I believe stems from your value system, and so values are going to help shape culture. Culture is really what's going to, I believe, is what's going to shape the behavior and ideally uh, foster teamwork. And I I use a term called relational coordination. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's a, a way of functioning together that's a little more deliberate than saying oh, I'm on a team. Um, it, it's a more deliberate about how I'm interacting with my boss, my coworkers, my vendors, my suppliers, and in a, this coordinated way. And, and that's what's going to, you know, help to form this, this freedom, you know, because ultimately in culture, the, the idea would be to try to keep people's attention as low as possible so you can raise performance. Right. Right. And so how do I create an environment where we have this, um, this freedom and, uh, I always tell the joke that I was working with a lady in Austin, Texas, and um, I said, how many people work here? She said, about half. <laughs> you know, it, it was just one of those things. Because culturally, and that's what's happened, you know, in the last few years, we've just had a, like you described, as the great resignation, and, and now people do not want to go back into the workforce. And, you know, that separation can be a culture core. 
unless you're very deliberate about connection. And um, and I know some people are well, you got to be here at least one day a week, or you got to be. I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I've seen some very successful remote uh, employees. I have, right. and uh, and I've probably done I don't know forty five Zoom meetings, you know, presentations, and it's not my preference. I'd much rather be live, but um, you know, and sometimes we just have to make that work. And so the culture. Uh, um, being being more deliberate about you know, facilitating those connections, even if it's just a connection via Zoom or via a podcast mm-hmm. or, or whatever it might be, um, but I, I think that's a big part of it. And and managing the tension. And if I can keep, like I said, people tension low, uh, my performance or, or the relational coordination improves, and uh, and that's what helps to facilitate, in my opinion, it helps facilitate a, a healthy culture. Yeah, that. And it's interesting when you said that it was a joke, but I know that's actually even a term now with the quiet quitting where people aren't quitting literally or just, yeah, they shut down and, and don't do exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And I have all these other sort of culture questions, but I always find things from once I start talking to someone that, that are like maybe of interest. How do you go off into this, I'm going to be the culture guy that can speak about culture? Like, how does that evolve? Interesting. Um... I, I learned after doing a stint as manager of customer service for Los Angeles International Airport, okay. I realized that I did not want to be an airport manager. <laughs> I, I wanted to be a people developer. And so I transferred back into our leadership development center and did some fantastic work around customer service initiatives and leadership development things. And, but I got, you know, at that point where I needed to make it, you know, I knew I didn't want to go back to airport management. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a career path that made sense. Uh, in the people development, because you know, at the time I was there, now now they have huge you know learning development. Right, teams. right. But, you were ahead of your time. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and uh, so you know, I left, and uh, the first client I, I had was Hawaiian Airlines, and they invited me to come over for one week a month and and do customer service training. And you know, I was like, oh, I can do this for a living. And then I happened to be doing. I, I was really just doing training and development, and around some of those. Fundamentals that Southwest is known for, you know, leadership development, supervisor effectiveness, corporate culture, all of those. I just began to dabble in that with different companies that were hiring me. And I also had some, you know, uh, certifications like Irish Briggs and some other things like that right, right. that people would, uh, you know, want me to come in and facilitate. And then I was doing a session in Vegas, and a lady named Karen Cheney. Um, came up to me afterwards. She goes, I think you're very entertaining. She goes, if you could write a book, I, I could book you as a speaker. And I'm like, really? You know? And I, it wasn't really, I hadn't made that adjustment over to this culture because I, I knew I wanted to write about culture. Okay. And because you know, my time in Southwest and Southwest is known for having this great culture. And so then I was thinking, okay, I want to be about culture. What's a word I can come up with? And then then I just began to lay out, okay, what what are who are companies that, I think have great cultures, and you know how you know how can I uh, document that and put that all in this flow uh, that blends in with this whole idea of the Southwest culture, and and it's really about you know, just creating an environment where people can do their best work. You know, you want high performance and high fulfillment all in the same space, and I think culture is what accomplishes that. Interesting. So it was it was kind of a mix of an organic thing slash something that you sort of. Thought, you know this is the path to go that, that that just 
sparked my interest as something of I can't imagine like you you think I'm going to be the culture guy one day and but as as it being at a place like Southwest where it's so important I would understand that that's well it's a good door opener yeah because they still do it well right you know and if you want to have a culture of fun allow your employees to have fun you right. know if you want to have a, some some cultures just want to make money I get that too you yeah. know um, but just define it and that way people can. Um, model the behavior that's going to help them get results okay. uh, in, in that area. So I want to I want to go into this, I guess, sort of two ways, but how do you get people who are already on board, they're on the team or they're, they're working for you that just see it as a paycheck? How do you get them on board your, you know, culture or to, you know, more of a collaborative environment? Yeah, I, ideally, you want people to not trade hours for dollars. Right. Um, you want to, and so, you know, def defining, you know, because it's Southwest, you know, not everybody tells jokes. Yeah, exactly. And if, you, if you're not funny, don't try to be. If you can't sing, don't try to sing your announcements. And if you, and so it's just giving people that freedom. But, you know, we would lean towards in entertaining our, our guests or entertaining our customers and, and do the right thing for our customers, whatever that, whatever form that takes with that individual uh, personality. And because uh, you, you don't want everybody to be the same, it'd be irritating. Yeah. And, and then there's people that take it too far, and you know they're inappropriate. And so you know there's a, that balance. But you know if you have a, a much more conservative, you know, company. I was doing work with this insurance company. They were not, you know, they didn't want to be funny. They, they yeah. you know, they, they wanted to write policies, and that's what they. But we were able to define that, right? Uh, I'll give you another example. I was working with a, a technology company, and they had about 400 engineers. Well, their culture was that if you're at your desk working, that means your job's safe. So they would spend 12 hours of unproductive time, but they're, they're logging in. That, oh, yeah, because somehow it got out to that group of engineers that they're going to let go of the bottom 10%. You know? And that, that was never the intent. I talked to the the director of that division, and he says, just, just, they got this culture idea that if I'm at my desk, then I'm going to be busy. And that the whole engineering, the whole culture became that. And, and so, but we did, we worked with it and said, okay, we want to look at productivity, mm -hmm. not just time spent. And, and so then they became more of a productive culture as opposed to just trading hours for dollars. So I guess, that says it from the the aspect of the people that are working there. But I guess how do you how do you like you you refer to culture almost as the soul of an organization, and the the soul of the organization is kind of there and already been established before a lot of people are are brought on board and stuff like that. How can you like you're in there? How do you change that if you're not one of the people running the company, or how can you push that change or, or create that change? And then I guess at the same time, if there is resistance from the top, how do, how do you convince leadership or how do, how do leaders adapt if, if they're not willing to, to change that soul? And again, I think defining up front what you want that to look like. I mean, if you want to have a fun culture, um, you, know, you, you want to um, encourage people to do those things. Um, Southwest wanted to have an on-time culture. So for every quarter of perfect attendance you have, they give you two tickets that you can give to anybody. Mm -hmm. Right? Are you supposed to come to work on time? Yes. Yeah. But because they wanted to reinforce the on-time culture, you know, they put an incentive in place to do that. Um, I, I was working with a 
car dealership and they, they just had all these um, coupons like uh, Walmart gift cards, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, and, and they were just re rewarding people on the spot and it, it made people, you know, for being on time and for, you know, putting in extra effort and, and they began to see the shift in the way people, they look forward to coming to work. They look forward to, you know, hoping that they are getting recognized. And, and so I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of techniques you can use, but I, you know, the way I say it is I said, just, just find people doing things right. You know, it's so easy to get critical on you know, our key performance metrics. And yeah. Forget that most of the time people are doing things right. Right. You know, we, we don't go out of the way to recognize that as, as much as I think we should. And, uh, and I think it makes a big difference on, on morale. I think it makes a difference on you know, people's willingness to engage. And sometimes people just have a rough, rough time. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why you have employee assistance programs and counseling and, you know, and, and so you want to be able to recognize that too and say, hey, how can I help you? And, um, but, and sometimes you might have a bad day. Yeah. And I'm not saying it, it's kind of typecast as a manufacturing, I'll speak for in general, whether we're packaging and processing, but manufacturing is, is typically a traditional in, uh, industry. It's a... Um, it, it was, it used to be more, it's gotten bigger, but it used to be more like family businesses that grew out, but it, it's stodgy is not the word I want to use, but conservative is the word you use. That was, so that's, that might be a, a tougher culture to change just because it is an established thing that has worked for decade after decade after decade. And so how do you break out of that? Well, if you need to break out of it, I mean, if you're if you're if you're productive and and uh, the operation's running like you want it to run, and you have employee retention, and you know, there might not be anything. Uh, That's a very good point. Mm -hmm. um, if you really want to adjust the environment, I've seen teams that, you know, independent of their boss, just say, "Hey, we want to have more fun at work," and so it's a little grassroots effort that. Happens, and sometimes that spreads, and you know, other times it doesn't. But um, you know, I, I, I think just getting agreement, whether it be a department, ideally it would be at the at the top. You know, there, there's going to be this agreement on, you know, how we want to operate. But I've seen people, companies that write these beautiful mission statements and about how they want to treat their employees and about how great it's going to be, and then they don't do any of it, and all that does is mistrust and disappointment and um and so <laughs> i was working with this one one company i said you need to put you need to take that one off the wall and put one up that says we're bitter tired and frustrated because that's that's what they were they were right. just and then you know and that just can just eat at the employee group i think and uh in a negative way it just can bring that morale down and and yeah you know, if, if, if you're on a team and you feel like it's there's no win uh, there's not an option, you know, I have to, there's no way out. Right. So, and people are probably going to find a way. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, 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 you, you said it, uh, you know, taking down this, but I can see, you know, people go to a, a, you know, an annual meeting or a leadership conference or something like that. And they see a culture expert. And like you said, on Monday, there's a sign put up that says, you know, all the things that you're talking you're about. You're going to be happy no matter what. <laughs> exactly. You're going to smile and this is going to be the greatest place ever. But like you said, if that's not happening, all it's doing is increasing 
you know, the tension more than it already was. Okay, I guess to, to kind of, I'm interested in this and I'm sure it's something, or I, I hope it's something that you've come across um, to kind of put a button on this, but it, do you have any, we're hearing a lot and I'm not pinholing any generations, but like as the younger workforce is becoming, you know, the, the baby boomers are moving out and we're getting a younger workforce that just by definition does not do things the way the other generations have. People can complain about it. People can say that's not the way it should be. It's neither here nor there. This is how you do things. And do you have like tips or tools or ways to integrate that into your culture where that doesn't become, because it does, it breeds resentment between the different groups, the different generations. And I don't know, as far as I know, maybe this is something that happened with, you know, 30, 40 years ago with different generations coming. I don't know. It just seems like such a hot button topic versus an opportunity that it kind of should be that we're bringing in new people, new ideas. I think I'd be more creative. Uh, I was working with a restaurant company and, you know, their average age of their employees, you know, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were having trouble getting people covering their shifts. And, and I didn't think of this idea. I thought it was brilliant, though. They started assigning a scope of work to a group of servers. And they had to decide who's covering what. And they just text each other. And, and so it took the scheduling and put it in the hands of, of that, which is what they want. Right. I was going to say, and they probably appreciated it being. Or, hey, hey, Sean, can you cover me for the next two hours? Sure. You know, I mean, it, it didn't it didn't force them to have to work this set shift or and they were so much more satisfied with the way that they were being scheduled and the way communication was happening. Start texting as a, you know, instead of, you know, calling all the time. It's like, it's like my, you know, my son, he's 17. I want to get an answer. I text him. Yeah. <laughs> and I know the phone's glued to his hand. So I know he can answer. No, they don't know how that function works. Text him, get the information. I, I right. mean, and why? Because that's his preferred method for mm -hmm. communication. So I, I think we have to give up, you know, the old point of view and start really taking a, a different viewing point in the way we're communicating, the way we're uh, recognizing and rewarding uh, or even promoting. I mean, some people don't want to, they don't want to promote or if they, they promote, you know, they, they leave one and go to another, yes. and they, you know, every two years or every one year, they you know, end up moving, moving up mm -hmm. uh, by going somewhere else. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know how I'd like to, I'd like to look into that whole retention thing. How, how do we retain? Yeah. And a lot of, sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a retention bonus. Mm -hmm. 18 months, you're going to get $500 or you're going to get whatever it might be. And I think those things, work but ultimately you know if, if i'm not first of all i don't think people quit companies i think they quit supervisors that's an interesting way of putting it yes and if you're not happy or satisfied with the person that, that you're reporting to or you don't feel like you're getting you know adequate communication you know, I, I just don't think you're going to have a lot of help in retaining those employees you know, unless we start understanding the employee and you know, what, what do they need what, are the, what would they like to see Right. In terms of how, how we communicate and how we schedule and how we, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to our, our the person that, Emma, that's the person, Emma, who's, who's producing this podcast for us in the background. And we were discussing um, just how it's changed even, you know, at least I've seen this in the last 10, 15 years where, you know, everyone isn't going to the office nine to five. Some are going 730 to 330. Some are going 10 to six. And I don't feel like that the world stop spinning. I don't feel like business shut down. I don't, and that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. 
but yet it's made so many, like the younger, it seems to me that the younger generation seems to appreciate coming in earlier. I don't, so I, but it, it seems to work. And there, there's a lot of, even at Southwest, they, they just got completely flexible with everybody. You want to work four 10 hour days? Great. Mm-hmm. You want to work six to whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want to come in later and work till, you know, as long as you weren't, you know, in operational, you know, if you're a dispatcher, you need to be aware. Yeah, if you're flying the plane. <laughs> if you're a mechanic, you need to be there overnight so you can give, you know, right. do the C check. But if, if uh, you know, if, if I'm an administrative assistant and I want to work four 10-hour days and be off Friday or okay. Monday or whenever, why not? You know, as long as it's, as long as I get the same, you know, production. And, uh, and the same thing, I think, is with working remotely. I, you know, I, I know there's some people who's putting a hard stop saying, no, nope, you're coming back in the office, period. But if you think about it, I mean, I don't have to have childcare. I don't have to have a pet sitter. I don't have to. I mean, if, waste oh, an hour driving. Yeah, an hour each way. Mm-hmm. Or, plus, if I want to load the dishwasher on my lunch break, I can. You know, who, as long as I'm being productive, mm-hmm. I do think it's good to have connection. Right. And um, whether that's a quarterly thing or hopefully more often than that, maybe right. monthly thing where. You know, yeah, but I know people, they, they just don't want to have to carry their computer back and forth. I mean, they don't want to have to, okay, then don't require that. Right. Just have a, an office day where you're just connecting with your coworkers or whatever it might be. And um, so I, I think it's going to be an interesting, um, a continual shift. Mm-hmm. And I think as more new people come into the workforce, it's going to continue to shift. But I just think if we can celebrate that. You know, right. And not make it problematic. and. Okay, that's how you want. That's what you want to do. Then we can make that work. Yeah, it seems to me like it's never looked at as an opportunity. It's always looked at as butting heads versus you know. Let's look at this from a different point of view. Maybe they're onto something. Well, I like what you know, Starbucks. If you work twenty hours, you get benefits. Now that's a lot of people want to work there for that reason. Um, if there's five stores around you, you can pick up shifts at different stores. I mean, they make it so easy to want to work there. And, uh, and, you know, I think they put a pretty good cultural wrap on that too. You know, I think they treat people fairly and, and if they don't, then they close all their stores and have, have, have training around it. Okay. Uh, but so I think, I think more, um, I don't know, I don't know if the word progressive is the right word. But yeah, but I, I understand what you're saying. A little more open minded, a little more maybe pro- progressive. And then listen, uh-huh. listen. This, what do you tell me? What do you want? What do you need? How do we, how do we make this work for you, the, the employee? And listen to the customer. You know, is this working for our customer? And because ultimately we've got to, we've got to shape our values and, and create our values so that they are shaping that culture. And uh, and that should that should be, I think, very customer centric. Uh, but the, there's two customers: the external customers and the internal customers. And if you don't take care of the internal customer, they're not going to take care of the right. Right, and uh, I, I I truly believe in that. Uh, but it, I think it's going to look different. Um, I think it's going to continue to look different. And as a matter of fact, I'm trying to put my brain around. Uh, hey, what's next in this? You know, mm-hmm. Doing some think tanks with. Uh, there's actually a, a group in in Texas called the Culture Think Tank, okay. and I recently affiliated with them. And we just have these in, incredible discussions uh, about what is going on. What? How do we measure? Productivity. How do we measure anxiety? How do we measure 
you know, all these different things. And it's really interesting when you start looking at what's what's causing the frustration or what's causing the anxiety. And what can we and what can we do about that? And and uh, I, I think there's going to be some interesting work that comes out of there's a a group of us that come together and they call it the culture think tank. So it's it's fun to be a part of it. That that sounds good, and I'd, I'd love to. We'll have to have you back on when you guys have solved all these problems so that we can be be the ones to share because I am as fascinated with it as you are just to see how, like you said, people have to adapt. It's got to be a flexible type thing versus a, you know, this is the way we've always done it. Well, there's some, there's some really uh, interesting and, and smart people in, in that group and uh, you might, you might want to interview them as well because they're a, a really talented group. Sounds great. Uh, Jason, I can't thank you enough for coming on here and adding another 20 minutes or so to your day after speaking up there. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.